KFI AM 640 handle here. It is a Saturday morning. Following this show at 11 o'clock, Leo Laporte. It's 11 to 2. And then uh, Neil Saavedra, the man who talks about food. The man who I eat with at least once a week, where we talk about food. And then we follow up talking about food. And that's 11 to 2, the fork report today. Uh, that's our uh, morning and midday lineup right here on KFI. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Okay, the story happened a little while ago, but I want to, uh, I don't even know if I actually reported it. Uh, It's a few weeks old, but I wanted to share with you. If you remember, there's a photo of a crested macaque monkey, and this is in Indonesia. It's in a reserve, and he took some photos of himself in 2011. Uh, Wildlife photographer David Slater left his camera unattended, and uh, this thing went, uh, I mean, there there are sales of this thing all over the place. I mean, coffee mugs, and uh, it was uh, photos. It was just crazy. T-shirts. Well, PETA goes to court and argues that the monkey owns the copyright. How is that possible? How does a monkey own a copyright? A corporation can own a copyright. Certainly an individual can own a copyright. But a monkey? So a federal appeals court decided... That animals may not sue for copyright protection. We conclude, the court said, that this monkey and all animals, since they're not human, lack statutory standing under the Copyright Act. Now, Rudo, who was the plaintiff in this case, seven-year-old crested macaque living in this reserve. And uh, it is, uh, I can't wait to hear see that case, actually. It was uh, Naruto, the macaque monkey. Uh, suing for copyright. And the PETA folks, they sued Slater, as a matter of fact, on behalf of the monkey in uh, 2015, arguing that that copyright belongs to the animal. David Slater was using that copyright. He was making a bucket of money on this. And uh, so the judge, who, of course, uh, well, the Ninth Circuit uh, threw it out. Now, the group and Slater actually settled the case out of court which is very strange. So some money went to PETA, I guess, as a nuisance suit. Uh, but the Ninth Circuit uh, decided to rule on the matter anyway, even though the case was over. And uh, the judge, uh, in a concurrence, uh, called PETA's suit frivolous. But I guess uh, he wanted to write and said, the concept of expanding actual property rights and rights broadly, broadly to animals necessitates resolving what duties comes with those rights. And because animals cannot communicate in our language, who stands in their shoes? So my question is, uh, had the monkey, right, the crested monkey, worn shoes, would that have changed this case? And my guess is no. Let's take some phone calls. Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Welcome. Hi there. Um... I, I lost uh, a coin collection from a storage facility. Uh, it was the, the unit was rifled. The collection was worth in excess of fifty thousand dollars. I want to know how I should proceed against the corporate. Uh, I think uh, negligence is involved. Okay. How and, and what what ha- how are they negligent? There were people living in the parking lot for four days before I made discovery. There were people living on, what you, what part? You talk about in the facility. It, in the parking lot, they had a unit that was on the – my unit's inside, but they had a unit 
on the exterior, and they they had a living room on the parking lot. All right, but how does how do you connect that with uh, what happened with your storage unit? How do you connect those dots? Uh, there was also a, a fire there two months ago. Apparently, people were cooking meth in there. Okay, how do you connect? Uh, how do you connect the rifling with that group of people? Uh, it's, it, to me, it's just that they were so lax in their security. All right, and I understand that, and, and I get that. No, I understand they were lax, but how do you connect that those people rifled your storage bin? Uh, I, I can't, really. That's right, and that's exactly correct. So you can't even prove that it was there. They may have been negligent, but it doesn't connect. Because in order to prove negligence, you need four issues. You need duty. Fair enough. You need, and they had a duty to protect your stuff. I get it. Breach of that duty. Yeah, you can argue breach of that duty by letting these people in. Causation. You have to establish that that group of people caused, or the uh, people that run the facility caused your damage to occur, your theft. That one you're going to fall apart on. And then damages. Hey, you know what? Why not say you had a coin collection worth $150,000 instead of just fifty? And what are you doing well, with a coin collection not in a safe deposit box? Well, there was 120 pounds of silver, and I had to put it somewhere. And I did put all the gold in safety deposit. But uh, 120 pounds of silver? Yes. Yes. And you comes out. Go ahead. Um, I'm a little confused. Um, how much money is just the raw silver at 120 pounds? When it's, it's about $53,000. All right. So uh, you're just giving the uh, the silver weight for that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do they have video? Uh, that was one of their big selling points is that they have video. Do they, do they, to find. they don't have video you came to find. Uh, yeah, I, I come to find they don't have it in the whole back end where my yeah. thing was. How about, uh, do you have insurance to cover that? Their insurance, and, and you sign a waiver saying I won't put anything in there of, of value, but All I right. still feel that. Well, it, it, okay, so if you say you're not going to put anything of value and you put anything of value, how do you argue uh, against the fact that you signed you wouldn't put anything of value in? How do you argue around that one? Um. It, it just seems they they were so lax. At least I'm not arguing that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not arguing that at all. And I understand they were lax. So the one issue you have is causation. I told you about that. And the other issue you have is uh, how can you claim anything of value when you agreed not to put anything of value? And you're well, saying you do when, you, when you go to a bank and put it in a safety deposit box, you sign the same. No, you uh, don't. No, you don't. Yes, you do. Yes, Saying you do. you're not putting anything of value in a safe deposit box? They limit their liability at a bank. Uh, I haven't seen that, and they may limit their liability to, what, $100? What do they limit their liability to? I'm not sure. I'm but... not either, because uh, when I've ap- applied, I haven't. I have never seen that they're limiting their liability. But again, it's a question of proof. In other words, I don't think you have any place to go there. I know you're struggling and you want to. And how about your own insurance? You know, do you have a policy that covers anything you have in there? And then the insurance company is going to say, what proof do you have that you have $53,000 worth of silver or gold or whatever? Uh, just, uh, just totally screwed up. All right. This is Handle on the Law. I can't wait to go home. 
Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. Oh, Robert. Hello, Robert. Good morning. Uh, got a quick, quick question here. I own an LED lighting company, and we are essentially a broker for many different manufacturers. And I called one of those manufacturers out to my customer to demo some of their products. And they knowingly brought a light that wasn't going to work, and they showed up drunk to the meeting. Want to know if I have anything there? No. You know, what? I'll tell you what you have is you have a a vendor that you're not going to touch anymore. Because here is the only here is the only way you could actually have any kind of a cause of action, and that is have the customer state under oath. That had that product worked and had they not been drunk, he would have bought it. And he would say, I would have spent $100,000. Okay. And uh, how do you really prove that? Right. I mean, who's going to believe that? Right. So, do I have anything with the uh, cost of business trips going out Maybe. There? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I think I, I think there are some real damages there. It's not speculative, saying effectively what they did is made it impossible to sell the product. You relied on them coming out and doing at least a reasonable job. Uh, that's a reasonable expectation, even though that's not written in a contract. But no one who writes in a contract, I'm not going to show up drunk and I'm not going to bring and I'm going to bring a product that actually functions. So that's implied in the contract. But yeah, I think you can get your damages absolutely. Uh, see, sometimes there's something called implied uh, in, in the contract. Well, as a matter of fact, it's always that way. And you look at it in terms of a reasonable view of the contract itself. Elliot. Hi, Elliot. You're up. Hi. Yes. I have, I have no living relatives. I want to set up a living trust. Why? Who do you want to leave your money to? 11-year-old daughter. That's no living relatives? Meaning, who do I trust to set to, to administer the oh, money? Oh, got it. All right, uh, a bank, uh, the lawyer who is going to set up the trust. If you want a lawyer to do it, a friend that you may trust, or does everybody hate you and you just don't trust anybody? Yeah, I don't know. Everyone hates you. You hit the nail on the head. How can I trust a lawyer? I've read stories. Lawyers. Yeah, I know, but it's you know, but at some point you have to trust a lawyer. Although you can do a living trust without a lawyer at all. Uh, you can do it uh, through the website. You can do it through my website and uh, find out who's involved and who isn't, who writes these trusts on the Internet. You can just write uh, Living Trust uh, Internet, and you'll find these companies. And then you, But you have to select a trustee. You have to select a trustee. So and, a bank could do it. A uh, bank could do it, and, and you could set it up until your daughter reaches the age of 18, and uh, then she becomes the trustee. You can be the trustee, and, and you are the trustee until, uh, well, you're the trustor, so there's no living trust until it doesn't kick in until you die. So what you do is I, I, tr- I would choose a bank. I would choose a bank. Okay. Let them do it, and then, and then as soon as that's over, it switches over to your daughter, who is both the trustee and the beneficiary. Got it. Yep. So I can go to the, I can go to the website. Yeah, go to the website. Yep, and then just look up uh, you know, trust. Yeah, there's a million companies out there. Oh, Zach, 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 how are you? What's, what's going on in your life? Hey, okay. I don't, I don't care. Uh, you know, I don't know why I even asked that. All right, what kind of question <laughs> do you have for me? 
Okay, my father passes away. My mother has a stroke. Uh, my sister moves in, and uh, his power of attorney. Uh, mother has a house. Okay, wait, oh wait. Uh, your mother signed a power of attorney over to your sister. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And all right. And uh, okay, go my on mother, with that. My mother had a stroke. She can't speak. Uh, she was couldn't speak. Walk. She couldn't really think that good. So my other sister notarizes a quick claim deed. All right. Under power under power of attorney, the one sister signs your mom's name name to a transfer of her property to one of the sisters. The other one notarizing that signature. Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can fight that tomorrow afternoon. Absolutely. You absolutely want to unravel that, and you'll do it in about two seconds. That smells to high heaven. Yeah. Is your mom? By the way, is your mom lucid? My mom uh, passed away. Oh, got it. That's what you said. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Un- yeah, you can unravel that in two seconds. There's no question about that. Yeah. How much is the property worth, Zach? How much is the property worth? Uh, about three hundred thousand dollars. Time to get a lawyer. Yeah. Time to get a probate and estate lawyer. Go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com and look at probate and estate lawyers. And I don't care if it costs you five thousand, ten thousand, whatever dollars, because you're going to sue the two sisters for your legal costs, and you are going to get one-third of that property. That's right, Doc. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and then and then you sue their asses off. Oh, don't you love it? I love sisters like that. Uh, they're just, there's something wonderful about that. That's all. Hey, Richard, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. Hey, thank you for taking my call. So about six months ago, uh, my neighbor next door had some masonry work done for the back of his yard or the front of his yard anyway. They offloaded a bunch of gravel and dirt, whatever materials they use for that. And I happen to have a classic 67 Chevelle car, which I had parked in front in, in, in my driveway uh, right next door to his house. Um, the contractor called me about 9 in the morning and said, we're going to be working here and, uh, and uh, your car's going to have some dust. Um, on it, so I don't know if you want to move it um, or, or what you want to do. He left me a message, but I was actually traveling. So anyway, when I got off my plane, I, I, uh, he called me again and said, hey, uh, I don't want to scare you, but we have a bunch of dust in your car. It's a classic car. It's a beautiful car. Um, before you do anything to it, you need to wash it because this stuff that landed on it is like glass. It's kinda, this, is getting too lo- this is getting too long. What's your question? Oh, my God. My question is, are they responsible? Uh-huh. Are they the responsible for any damage that they did to your car? Yes. Yes, they are. They are right, fully responsible, one hundred percent. And the fact that they co- said, their adjuster said what? She said that since he told me there was bull. That's a bunch of baloney. That's a bunch of baloney. That's just not true. Sue him. How much money to fix the car up? About thirty five hundred dollars to repaint it. Then that's exactly what you sue him for. And uh, you tell the adjuster, you know what? I'm taking him to court. Let him tell a judge. I was out of town. You told me I wasn't even there to move the car. And now you argue in front of the judge saying, well, we warned him. And the judge is going to go, oh, I see. Uh, even though the plaintiff was out of town, he should have flown back and moved the car. Right. Is that right? Is that what you're telling me? It's a dead bang winner. Thank you, Bill. All right. Oh, God, I'm getting so many winners. I get very, very upset. Oh, very upset. 
This is Handle on the Law. And even when your hope is gone, move along, move along. Just this is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Uh, yeah, there you go. Sorry about that. Hey, Marissa, welcome. Hi, Bill. My question is, um, should I get an attorney or should I file on my own to the California Labor Board for unpaid wages, overtime, and final paycheck? Yeah, you could probably do it on your own. All you have to do is have proof. And uh, the more proof you have, uh, the, the stronger your argument is uh, you're in front of a labor yeah, board. Yeah, I have time cards. Oh, yeah, I I, you, could, you, you can do it yourself probably. You just make a claim. Uh, that's what I would do. How much money are we talk? Ma- how, how much money are you talking about, Marissa? About ten thousand dollars. Uh, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and you can call in an, uh, an employment discrimination attorney. Those are the guys specialize in that, and uh, find out if uh, they will do it. And I think it's for statutory attorneys' fees. I believe that's the case. And if it is, then you want to get the attorney. Uh, there's no question because it doesn't cost you anything and they handle it all. And they, uh, But I don't know if an attorney would be willing to do that because let's say it's 13% or 15% or whatever it is. Does an attorney do it for $1,300 or $1,500? On the other hand, is it simply a form, here's the proof, and you don't even have to show up at a hearing? Then they may do it with a matter of three letters. And I don't know the answer. You know, so you have to go to the website. You know I'm sorry? I'm sorry. Do you know if they move pretty fast, the labor board? Uh, they don't. But you have to go there. Uh, they don't. It's a matter of months, probably. Right. I have all the forms. All right. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. And also, my husband was fired because he asked about his unpaid wages. So I don't know if that's something. It could be. I mean, that could for. that could be discrimination. But if you're in California, it's tough on uh, yeah. arguing that kind of discrimination. But it's there. I mean, it does happen. Uh, not a lot. Mary, welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. My parents elected me as trustee. They have no assets, and their home is in a reverse mortgage. There may be only a small distribution of inheritance in the future. And instead of hiring a lawyer, is there a book or other easy way? Sure. There are all kinds. Yeah, there are all kinds of books. Uh, You can go on the Internet. You don't need a lawyer. First of all, no lawyer will take it uh, because there is no money there to pay the lawyer. And uh, if uh, when you talk about a small distribution, the reverse mortgage, uh, that stays with the company. So uh, that's that's done. It's an investment they have. So the only thing that would happen is in the event they died, uh, I believe that whatever money is left over uh, goes to them. I mean, it's not like the the mortgage company keeps all the money. Uh, It doesn't work that way or stops paying the reverse mortgage. I mean, it goes into the estate. Uh, and or it's all I think it's sold at that point. The paper is sold and uh, then uh, the house is sold and then they get their piece of it and uh, your parents estate would get their piece. Uh, but that that that's neither here nor there. There are books. Go on the Internet and just look under trusteeships and reverse mortgages and that'll do it for you. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's easy. In the end, what do I say? Go on the Internet. You know, I have a question. I mean, how many people call me where the answer is, go on the Internet? I'm going to get to the point where people are going to call up and they go, Bill, I have a legal question. And they're going to ask the legal question. And before I start answering, you'll say, so I can go on the Internet, right? Yes. 
Thanks for the call. Hello, Sue. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Need your advice. Yes, you um, do. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have an idea. I have a, an invention idea. Where do I start? Do I need a patent lawyer even well, you need I a, don't have it solid? Not at this point. First of all, you have to have it solid. And okay. what you need more than a patent lawyer is you need a patent search company because it's probably a 90% chance that whatever you're trying to patent it has already been invented. Okay. And it's sitting at the patent office. So it costs 1500 2000 bucks to hire a company, and you can do it through a patent lawyer or do it on your own. And uh, you can certainly go to a patent lawyer and say, what company do you recommend that if I have a patentable product, then I'll come to you. So he may just that that's probably what I would do. And what the patent search company does is take what you're patenting and look at every patent that is similar to what you're doing. I mean, no one has a patent on something that's just never been done before. It doesn't exist. The days of Thomas Edison patenting uh, the light bulb, actually the light bulb had been done before, but patenting uh, the phonograph, that was brand new. That had never been done before. Mm -hmm. And so those days are gone. So uh, if they don't find anything that is specific and it is patentable, what I would do is go to the company that, of course, uh, I uh, always go to, and they have an application for a patent pending, and that protects you while all this is going on, and uh, that's not very much money. And then you go to a patent lawyer. Go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com, and then you start the process to patent it. And it's not cheap. Okay. It's several thousand dollars. I mean, it's it's money. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, what, what kind of product? Don't give me a specific, but uh, in general, it is a food product. It is a transport. It, it's an automobile product, and it'll save lives. Oh, okay. Uh, for texting. Okay. All right. Like a think. Yeah, like no, I think. got it. I got it. That's, okay. uh, that makes sense. Uh, and I don't think there's anything out there because I think it would be on the cars by now. But I don't have I don't have my team yet. I don't have it built. I don't have a But you prototype. want even if you don't, you don't need a prototype. You just want to you can just patent the design. Okay. You can patent the very design, make sure you're protected. And if it can is they, Can, can they my what? team take the idea from me? No, once you pat no, once you've patented it is yours. Even a patent pending, it is yours. But, and let me give you, uh, here's some really good news. Okay. You are not going to succeed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to tell you, the chances of patenting, number one, are minuscule. Number two, uh, very few people come up with a patent that the car companies are actually going to grab uh, because they have engineers that spend years dealing with this crap. But you know what? You never know. Sue, you just okay. never know. Uh, so that doesn't. Okay. if you don't do it and someone comes up two years from now with a reasonable idea that's close, you're going to kick yourself in the rear I end. Know. So that's, uh, that's how to do it. But she won't make it. You know, I mean, there's just no question about it. There's just god-awful no chance. Hello, Judy. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have a question for you. It's about a medical malpractice case. Okay. Um, yes, I... Uh, underwent a, a horrible, horrible uh, illness that was caused by medications that were prescribed for me that shouldn't be given together. All right, so they were uh, the medication was wrongly given to you, and that was the doctor who wrote the script? Yes. All right. And my what happened was is I, I spent a couple of months going through um, treatment to Ooh. try and save my life. Oh, so it was pretty serious. I'm looking at the computer screen. Blood transfusion, you were on a ventilator. Uh, I mean, it's pretty serious stuff, right? 
I was life flighted to hospital. Ooh, okay. So what's your yeah, question? I mean, what's your question, Judy? Um, I, I guess I know I have a case. You bet. But I um, called an attorney, and in order to get started, and and I can totally understand this. He needs um, all of my records. Yep. At tw- at twenty five cents a page. Nope. And oh, you're, hire- you're, oh, you're talking. Wait a second. You're talking about. Uh, the medical records people want your records uh, that are keeping right. your record. They want 25 cents a page. Now, you want to go right. to a lawyer that's going to front that. Now, if it's a okay. good enough case, a lawyer will pay that money up front. Uh, you're, you're talking to the wrong lawyer. Okay. So yeah, I you need, need to yeah, find someone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, if it's a good case, and I'm assuming it's a pretty good case based on what you said, believe me, a lawyer's going to front uh, uh, you know, whatever, several hundred, a couple thousand dollars uh, based on that. Uh, go to, have you gone to the website? To get your um, um, no, I haven't. Go to the website. Go to handleonlaw.com and get yourself a medical malpractice attorney and talk to them. Okay. Great. Thank you so much, Bill. Okay. I really needed your marginal legal advice. And you got it. And you got my marginal legal advice. This is Handle on the Law. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need you. I need it. I need it. This is KFI AM 640 or Stimulating Talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Welcome back for marginal legal advice. Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Uh, yes. Uh, how are you? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, um, I got one of these uh, uh, camera, camera uh, traffic light uh, ticket. I was supposed to pay the ticket on September the 9th, but I paid it uh, nine days later. Okay? So by the time I got to the court, I had to pay for the ticket. Uh, the clerk told me that, was, that I had been put on collection. Okay? And he sent me to the collection window. And uh, I did that, and I paid for the ticket, the, the full amount of the ticket, right there. And, uh, and, and as I paid for the ticket, I was told by the collection office, uh, office uh, 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 clerk that I was supposed to pay $300 uh, for penalties. For $300 in penalties for being late. $300 in penalties for uh, as a late fee, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, by the way, how much, was, how much was the underlying ticket, Lewis? Uh, it was, uh, uh, originally it was five. All right, we'll call it five hundred dollars. We'll call it five. Okay, we'll call it five hundred dollars with a three hundred dollar late penalty fee. Uh, so uh, let me ask you a couple of legal questions, okay? Okay. Were you late? Sure. Okay, that helps, doesn't it? So, what is your question to me, Lewis? My question to you is whether I should pay. Of course you have to pay. What are you going to do? What are you going to do if you don't pay? You're going to let the penalties keep on going and going and going and going? Uh, Okay. Yeah, you're screwed. You're screwed. Don't be late next time. You know, when they, especially when the court, when the court says you have to do something by April 1st, hypothetically, and you come in April 10th, uh, what do you think? You throw the dead dog on. No, let's not do that. Okay. Hey, Mary. Hi. Hi. What can I do for you? Well, 
I have an issue here with um, our, our home. Our property is lined with our neighbor's pine trees, and there's about, I don't know, about eight or so of them. Um, any, anyway, they keep getting bigger over the last 15 years or so, and every time the wind blows, which is a lot up here, we just get dumped on. And it's a major cleanup and all that. And it used to, I mean, it's always been such a hassle, but now our family's having health issues. Um, my allergies and all my pets. Mm, your pets are, they're, they, they're allergic? Yeah, they've all developed allergies. To what? And, to pine um, needles? Yeah, and and we've been told it's it's you know the vet says you have trees by your yard you know we're um, ear infections. Yeah. All right. Well, you and... okay? What you want to do clearly is, uh, as opposed to your opinion, you need a, a medical report. You need a medical analysis uh, that says or that says yes, the cause of this are those trees. And the argument's going to be, could it be anything else? No, it's only those trees. And that has to be established. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is, uh, how do pets get allergic to uh, to pine needles? Um, well, I don't know. I'm not a vet. That's so right. I'm... Okay, so you get to bring in a vet. Our vet said, I, you know, he says, I right. see this about three times a day. All right. And then he, he has to go. Then he has to go and testify. And he's going to have to say, this is pine needles that are causing this. Or probably well, or probably pine tough. needles. Pardon? Yeah, I mean, I guess that would be tough. But the whole Why would it be tough? I don't know. The hope is that you could just reason with with them, but and and say, you know, look, the law's on our side. No, it's but... not on your side, because you have a matter of proof. You've got to prove all this, Mary. They're not going to take your word for it that the allergies are caused by those pine needles. You have to come in with proof. Okay. Well, aside from everybody being ill, what about? I mean, if I showed like in one win that we have. Um, Two trash cans full of pine needles. Well, that is okay. That's pine needles. Now let's establish. And by the way, the cleanup of those pine needles, you can sue them for in small claims court, Mary. That's not a problem. Uh, The problem is the medical uh, situation where you just can't say I'm allergic. You know, who the hell are you, Mary? When did you go to medical school? You know, are you an allergist? Well, I guess I, I, then I would need to go to mine and have yes. them test me specifically That's for right. pine needles. That's what you probably have to do. Yep. Okay. And then as far as the pets, what kind of pets? Um, we have three small dogs. Huh. And uh, your vet gets to say it was pine needles that did this. Well, he said it's trees. You, uh, he that, said, okay. You have tre- okay, but do you have trees in your yard? Um, nothing that, nothing that, um, has been, um, littering the yard. I mean. I bet you have, uh, you know, wind blowing and, uh, you have dust and whatever. I, I don't know. But the point is you need, uh, you need proof. You need proof. And, uh, all, what you really have is small claims court for cleaning up the pine needles and maybe, and maybe three dead dogs. I have no idea. Uh, whatever works, works. And even then there's no proof. Now. Uh, there can be drama. You walk in and uh, you tell the judge, judge, it's my opinion that uh, the the pine needles, uh, the allergy caused my the death of my dogs. And uh, the judge will say, and what proof do you plan on bringing? 
and you you reach into your bag and you take out your dead dog, which is small, so that's not a problem, and just put it right in front of him on the bench and said, hey, look for yourself. Now, let me tell you what would happen. Uh, you may or may not be held in contempt for, of court. No idea. But I guarantee you that judge will be telling that story until the day he or she dies. That's a guarantee. Okay, this is Handle on the Law.